Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. Russell, June Fringe Festival. It's looming. It's coming. It's it's heading toward us like a freight train. And tickets are now on sale. Yes. For and, the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Yeah. Last year we did an article and we cherry picked some shows that we were into and we thought the people that listen to this podcast that know us well enough would enjoy. Uh, there was a bunch of horror, some comedies, musicals, and we did the same this year. Mike, I was actually surprised when you and I got together and like shared our lists how many shows there's over 50 that we're just looking at going wow it would be really cool if we could get to this last year there was a little over 20 so we more than doubled our list so i don't know if we're becoming more open to things or if there's just more things that we're into at the fringe festival i think you're becoming more open to things lust (laughs) (laughs) oh that comes later that's what she said oh Anyways, (laughs) back to Hollywood Fringe Festival. But like I said, there's an article on the website that lists the 50 plus shows that we are interested in seeing. But I thought it would be cool to talk about a few that we're super excited to see. And also some things that you might not know as far as actors or who's putting this show on. Things that you that you might want to know. Yeah, there's some interesting dots that we can connect. And and just to, to be clear, this isn't everything that Mike and I are interested in. Because I, I actually have a few other that after that list was made, Mike, I went back, you know, kind of, I'm also curious about that. I just keep looking to their their website and finding more and more. So this is by no way a complete list. This is just sort of highlights. Uh, so Mike, yeah. what do you think you're most excited about? Oh my God. Okay. So when the Fringe Fest started putting shows for 2017 on their website, I think there was maybe five shows and this was one of the first shows they put on. But London Calling, it's a musical based on The Clash. Yeah. And, I mean, the the description is just incredible. A gritty musical set in the UK, inspired by and with the music of The Clash, a cross between Trainspotting and Quadrophenia. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys that wants to be British so bad. I think that's why Morgan and I are friends. I, like, I did not know this about you. Oh, my God. I have, look at, I have a closet full of Fred Perry's. Like, I, I'm into Britpop. <laughs> like... I'm into UK punk. Like, there's, yeah, I know that. Okay. I mean, there's just so much. And like, I love Quadrophenia. I love train spotting. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a Vespa. I mean, <laughs> like, it, I mean, granted, that's not a UK thing. That's more of an Italy thing. But if we're talking about Quadrophenia, and I mean, they all rode Lambrettas anyway, but that's a whole other tangent I can go on. There's a whole new nerd side of you I just witnessed. <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, it's the clash, man. Like, yeah, it's the freaking clash. And it's um, like, yeah, like, I, I'm also really looking forward to that. Like, I'm so excited about that. So that was the first thing. And, you know, I mean, I guess if my first pick isn't a horror pick, it should be a punk pick. That makes so, sense. <laughs> based on me. But what about you? Uh, I You know, there's there's so many different types of shows. But the thing that I keep going back to the description of is uh, a play called Normal. It's apparently it, it is a play that has been produced before. This is the West Coast premiere of it. It's a, a play by Anthony Nielsen, 
And the description is, Normal is a poetic account of real-life German serial killer Peter Curtin, who in Germany in 1931 was convicted of murdering eight people, including several children. This fantastical account of Curtin, his wife, and lawyer is an entertaining, terrifying, and funny journey, exploring the mind of a serial killer. I like it. <laughs> How can you resist that that description? And also, uh, it it has pointed to numerous awards at other festivals that this has won in previous years. So I, I think you're, it looks like a really high quality production, a high quality script and fascinating subject matter. So I think normal is the one that, that hit my radar first of, wow, I, I can't miss that. That's cool. No, it'd be amazing hmm. if that was a description, like someone used that as a description for this podcast. Like, you should listen to My Haunt Life. You get to go in the minds of serial killers. <laughs> it's funny, fantastical, and entertaining. Yeah, hey, that works. <laughs> I mean, we just haven't murdered children, so, so that we know of. Well, I mean, there's lasting effects. Why are you looking at on... me? You have life experience. <sighs> you grew up in the Deep South. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Enough said. So another pick, Mike? Um, okay, so the next one that I like, really was like, oh my God, uh, is So You Want to Be a Vampire. And this is just, this sounds like high school. Like, not, not for <laughs> me. Well, I mean, kind of me. But Brenda Frank is so desperate to be turned into a vampire that she actually finds one. But some vampires desire more than blood. I mean... Did I ever... Okay, hold on. Did I ever tell you the story about me and werewolves? I know one portion of this story because we connected We connected over a television series one time. We were, we were yeah. reminiscing about old TV shows. The werewolf TV series on so, Fox. Yeah, and when... I brought up Lucan, which I don't know if you remember or not. No. Uh, it, Lucan was the story of a boy who had been raised by wolves. Okay. <laughs> I think it lasted one season. So Werewolf was a show on Fox when Fox first became a network, like back in probably the early 90s or late 80s. I think it was mid to late 80s. Yeah. It might have been on the same time as like when Married with Children and The Simpsons and Tracy Ullman. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Simpsons came after Tracy Ullman, but whatever. Um, so, okay. Even before this show, I had a thing for werewolves and Tal is probably super happy to hear that right now. <laughs> um, but where. I would go out and be like Brenda, this character in So You Want to Be a Vampire, and I would try to find werewolves to get bitten by one so I could turn into a werewolf. You were such a cute kid, I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> With tons of friends. But going back to the werewolf TV show, they had an 800 number at the end of the show where you could call up and listen to werewolf sightings and stories. Uh, I did it once, I believe. Yeah. I, I called all the time and I kept hoping there was one in Massachusetts so I could try to go to that area. And, but there wasn't. That's awesome. Actually. <laughs> I dear, uh, I just, I remember the pilot of that TV show so well because it was that weird thing of uh, him trusting his friend. Like, I think I have a problem. I think I'm a werewolf. <laughs> and the friend freaking out or like when he realizes what actually is going on. I still remember the beginning of that TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I enjoyed that show. I remember it well. But not only that. So, okay. So, so you want to be a vampire. The thing that really sticks out about this to me is there's a warning in this description. Mm -hmm. And the warning is... The first two rows of seating have been designated as a splatter zone. Those seated in the splatter zone will get bloody. 
Like, yes. 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 <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I can't wait. And then, I don't know if this is going to be every every night, but they mentioned uh, Friday, June 23rd, uh, pick up your convention badge and lanyard, have one of our special blood shots, and dance to your favorite goth tracks. So, I don't know. Is it turning into a nightclub afterwards? Like, I don't know. Well, they would but, want to party at night. Yeah. Ugh. Unless you're Blade and a Daywalker. Don't get me started. I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you have goth music, a girl who wants to get turned into a vampire, and a splatter zone. I'm in. I'm so there. <laughs> Absolutely. So wait, if you're so excited about that, and after you just, we just digressed the heck out of the subject, how do you feel about another one of the shows called Nothing Bad, a werewolf rock musical? Oh, I'm super into that too. Yeah, it was <laughs> well here and here's the thing. So, um real quick, oh, we'll read the description real quick. Deep inside each human, a beast waits to be born in claws, teeth and violence. Society represses it, terrified of any who succumb. Rebels embrace the edge of it, calling forth its power while avoiding its burn. In an instant of survival, one woman will be transformed by it, split into two pieces, and the battle for control of her body, mind and soul will begin. I mean, does that scream musical or what? <laughs> yeah. Here's the cool thing, though. Last year, we saw a show called Broadway Noir, yep. which like I, we, I, we both loved. Yeah, we both liked it the a lot. The music, the the songs, like they were super catchy. Like I was, I'm still singing that opening song like now, <laughs> like we're going to bring it back to the beginning. Like it's still in my head. And this one is written and directed by Eric Blair with music and lyrics by Daniel Sugimoto. Sugimoto? By Daniel Sugimoto, creator of Broadway Noir. So, so yeah. <laughs> you combine one of our favorite things, one of our favorite shows from last year with werewolves. Yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> I, I'm definitely excited about that. Definitely. All right. What about you? Another one. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to take a break from the <laughs> the horror for a moment and point to a comedy. Uh, so, Mike, can I tell you a fantasy of mine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, All right. <laughs> I, just, just, just go with this. Just, just go with this. Go. So uh, you know that I was hired right out of college as an actor, and I did a rep theater season and, and all that. So I have some performing, and I've performed in haunts and all of that. There's one show that I have always, always wanted to do and never had the chance. And there's a company bringing it to the Hollywood Fringe Festival, and that is The Complete Works of William Shakespeare, Abridged. <laughs> Just, if you've never seen this show, trust me. The, 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 basic, <laughs> the basic premise of this show is somehow they perform. There's there's three members in the cast, and somehow in 90 minutes, they perform all of or a portion of every single Shakespeare play written. Oh, wow. It's hysterical. That's it. Just I have seen I've seen several productions of this. It's always fun, and if you've got a really lively, fun cast, which I hope these guys you know pull it off well, like it. This has a potential of being a laugh riot, and, and if you. If you even just enjoy casually Shakespeare, you don't even have to know everything about Shakespeare. Just if you casually enjoy some Shakespeare every now and then, this show is a really fun script. And I'm really looking forward to seeing another production of it. I have not seen this show in about a decade. And it's one of my favorite shows of all time. That's awesome. 
yeah, so I'm really, really happy that I, I'm going to be able to see a performance of it. Another thing that's cool for me is like there's kind of like a bunch of uh, like nerd culture type shows that I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Like there's video games and the video games is a parody of the Hunger Games and the tributes participating in the battle to the death have been substituted for video game characters from all the popular game franchises. Princess Zelda, queen of the console, is celebrating the 64th annual video games and she needs the audience's assistance to ensure that this year games are bigger, badder, and bloodier than the year before. So, I mean, we get to see, like, Donkey Kong fight Laura Croft and stuff like that. I mean, that just seems fun. I'm not a video game nerd, as you know, but I read the description... Pardon me. I read the description of that. I am in, totally. Because I know know just enough about, like, video game characters that I would probably get a lot of fun out of it. But I'm sure for someone like you, it would be even more fun. But I read the description of what, that's actually really fun. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a clever idea. I, I I really liked that. The first time I read the description, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in for that. And then there's the Spidey Project. Um, in 2011, a group of writers, actors, and music- musicians set out to stage a ma- musical parody of the Spider-Man origin story through clear, simple storytelling, comedy, and character-driven theater. They wanted to do justice to the hero we all know and love without being bogged down with lavish sets or dangerous stunts. The show went up for only one night in New York, immediately becoming the stuff of legend. And then the last one is Comic-Con the Musical, which sounds so interesting to me because I've been to Comic-Con, so it's Mm -hmm. something I know and love. And the story of this is Anna hopes to impress her idol, D.B. Coates, creator of Vampire, the fourth best CW vampire show and inspiration for her fan fiction. Jason brings his original comic book, Super Christian, psychic, alcoholic, alien detective, in the hope of securing a publisher. I mean, just right there, vampire and super Christian psychic alcoholic alien detective. It's I mean, so bizarre. that's enough to want to go see what this is about. Oh, yeah. Moving on to a different show, Mike, uh, we and I have talked a little bit about this, but I, I don't know if I've ever flat out asked you this. Have you ever really done any LARPing? No. Live action role playing, you know, that you have you ever played around with that stuff? No. I haven't. And I've worked with a couple people who have been big into it at various parts of their lives. There is a show coming called Fallen Stars at the Charity Sale. This sounds so interesting because it's an audience participation show and it's an interactive play where each performance promises to be different. A collection of objects is at a charity sale and those objects reminisce about their glory days while hoping to find a new purpose with new owners when they're purchased at this charity sale. And apparently like audience members, if they want, can bring objects, which might become characters in later productions of the show. That's cool. So, and if you want more, there's more information about there's limitations on the objects you can bring. Like you have to be able to carry it upstairs and things like that. If you, if you're interested in that, you need to check out the website, but it it comes from uh, the creator of the show is actually a very experienced LARP uh, creator. So uh, this sounds fascinating to me. So it just because I, I'm so not familiar with it. And then it has an immersive vibe to it, obviously. So I'm really curious to see what this is. This is one of the things I love about the Fringe Festival. And we kept talking about this last year. Diversity like experimentation, something new. I have no idea what to expect for this show. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about that. And that's what it should be. 
another show that caught my interest and it goes into the same camp. It just sounds so interesting. It has, sounds like it has some comedy and horror vibes is zombie clown Trump an apocalyptic musical. Um, and it just, I mean, just listen to this description. Dr. Ben Arson has unleashed a powerful virus on the country in the name of a cure-all vaccination. And now millions of people, including our, our clown president, have turned into zombies. Trump Care 45. Great. Featuring parody music set to artists like Simon and Garfunkel, Michael Jackson and John Lennon, and four actors playing multiple roles, including white press puppet Sean Sphincter. Oh. <laughs> Zombie clown Trump promises to treat one of the most dire moments in the world with guile, ingenuity, and flat-out fun. If you're a fan of SNL, South Park, and the camp of Mel Brooks, we'd love to see you at the protest. I mean... I'm curious, definitely. <laughs> uh, but here's something really cool. We actually have zombie clown Trump here to tell us a little bit more about this. You mean we actually have a recording of our zombie president? We sure do. Okay. Yeah, so thank you, President Zombie Clown Trump. The stage is yours. Zombie Clown Trump, an apocalyptic musical at the Hollywood Fringe Festival, is going to be the greatest play in Fringe Festival history, period. It is a parody about me, myself, and I running for re-election in 2020 while presiding over a fantastic and truly great zombie apocalypse. And you thought Trump Care could get any worse, with songs set to some of my great friends like Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Rosie O'Donnell. Oh wait, got that last one wrong. Don't miss this one, folks. It's going to be terrific and great and more terrific than you know. Tune into zombieclowntrump.com. That's zombieclowntrump.com for more information. Gotta go. It's time for my PB and brains sandwiches. Brains, brains, if I only had a brain. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm so excited to I, see this now. <laughs> I am intrigued, I will say. I am very intrigued. <laughs> uh, so this is taking place at the OMR Theater at the Complex, and it opens June 2nd. So, Russell, those are some of our, our top picks and like what we're really excited about to see. Um, but Wait, the... I've got like 10 more to, to list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a bunch more. I uh, um, Okay. <laughs> I guess at this point we should just like go to the website and look at our list because literally this would take three hours to go through why we have each of these. Um, there's a lot of immersive stuff. There's a lot of horror stuff. There's a lot of musical. There's a lot of comedy. Uh, th this is definitely a wonderful, wonderful collection of stuff for this Hollywood Fringe Festival. But Mike, I think you're right. It's like th those are sort of like the the things that jumped out the most at me. But the things we haven't mentioned yet. Um, they should be mentioned because you hear us talk about them on many, many podcasts, but there's companies that we know and love that are participating in this year's fringe. A lot of them are remounts of shows that have recently happened, but we wanted to point to them because it's important to support their work. And if you missed out on their work previously, then you have a chance to see them again at fringe fest. Mm hmm. Most of these happen to be in the immersive category. So you have people like the Speakeasy Society that are doing the Kansas Collection 
chapter one and two at the same time uh, at Fringe. And you know that the chapters one and two sold out super quick and they've done many remounts of it and they've all sold out. Uh, So now's your chance to do it. Um, Annie Lesser is doing Apartment 8 again. Apartment 8 was at last year's Fringe and blew everybody away who saw it. And also that was a show that last year, as soon as word of mouth started getting out, of ex- it was also word of mouth that never said anything about the show. It was just get a ticket now. Yeah. And Mike and I both saw it and we say the same thing. Apartment eight, Annie Lester's production, get a ticket now. Uh, Firelight, we saw uh, maybe a month ago or so. And yeah. that was another one we were blown away by. And they're doing a, a kind of remount. Uh, they're calling it Fire and Fire and Light instead of Firelight. And I think it's it's going to be a shortened version of Firelight. And that's, um, I mean, seriously, we wrote an article about that on the site. And that, that just, man, that... It was so beautiful. Just blew our emotions away. Another show that we wanted to mention that's part of the, the remounts... Um, we we saw this in North Hollywood and actually talked about it on episode 29 of the podcast. It's not an immersive show, but it's such a good show. And that is Crown City's production of Nosferatu. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't know if you remember, Mike. You had seen this and you highly recommended that I get to it. Yeah. Do you remember me calling you afterwards? Yes. <laughs> I remember calling you because I had this weird conversation with you of, what the hell was that? How do you describe it? Yeah. Because th- this show is so cool. It incorporates so many different styles of theater. And the makeup was great. The costuming was great. There's some really effective creepy stuff. And there's dance and movement and really horrific imagery. And it's sort of like a silent movie vibe at some point. Like, yeah, there's no spoken words. I-, I-, I loved this production. I did too. I'm so happy to see that they're bringing this back because that was this is one of the things that we told friends about. And I think the run was fairly short. Yeah, it was only a few weeks, I think. And I am so happy that people will have a chance to see this because this production is pretty damn cool. Yeah, agreed. And then there's going to be a couple people that have new works, such as uh, Capital W. And you may know Capital W mostly for Hamlet Mobile. Uh, Russell and I had both done that. They have a show called Red Flags, and that's going to be a a one-on-one experience where you are on an awkward first date. I read that description and thought, do I really want to do this? (laughs) I've had enough awkward first dates in my life, but because it's Capital W, who we loved Hamlet Mobile, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a must. Yeah. And also the Shine On Collective, they have a new piece uh, called Sweet Dreams of Prologue. And rather than us trying to explain what this is, we have Anna and Marley to do it justice. So here are Anna and Marley explaining to us what Sweet Dreams is. Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Marley. And we're here to tell you about our next show, Sweet Dreams, the Prologue which will be premiering at the Hollywood Fringe Festival this year. Yeah, and then we're going to be taking it on the road to the San Diego Fringe Festival. Um, and then we'll be doing a, um, another small preview at Midsummer Scream at the end of July, which will all lead to a final larger show in October. 
Yeah, so this is going to be a kind of darker spin on a well-known fairy tale that you will probably start to recognize when you go to the show. Yeah, and um, we uh, were interested in investigating some current day issues and just kind of weaving them through the story and seeing how they came up. Exactly. For the first show, you'll be introduced to the main characters and kind of start to get to know them and this world and see the setup for the story. And you'll get kind of further and further into it uh, as the series of shows progresses. Yeah, so we're really excited and we hope that everyone comes out to the Fringe Festival because it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the end. So thank you, Anna and Marley, for for the information. So it sounds like if you miss the Fringe show, you will be able to check it out at the San Diego Fringe Fest and also Midsummer Scream. So yeah, that's really that's, really great. That's good to know. There's also some things I want to point to because you may recognize some people within the show itself. On the last podcast, we mentioned Larry, our friend Larry had a play called Dark Arts, and. Uh, he left us a voicemail uh, in character with the characters from the show. If you went through tension, you may recognize some of the people within that show. I believe he has a handler, a certain processing room person, and a certain plant involved in that production. (laughs) Um, So if you want to see some familiar faces and support someone from the community, that will be one to check out. Uh, also, Russell, this is one you pointed to, The Second Coming of Klaus Kinski. Yeah, Mike, because this show stars Andrew Perez, who I encountered a couple of times in Ascension. Mm-hmm. I Alice he, Gordon. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> Alice Gordon. Uh, but when I encountered him in Ascension, he basically tried to help me and then scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so he he's uh he we encountered him several times during the tension experience last year and he has done a lot of research on Klaus Kinski and this show he gets to bring all that research to the stage bringing that character to life. It just sounds fascinating to me. So uh, you know and and Andrew uh, is just someone we have encountered and I I'm interested to see him do something else. So I was really happy to see that. Yeah, and then the the last one we want to mention is Quantum Entanglement. That is written and produced by Caitlin Schiller, who, if you went to Annie Lesser's ABC project C. Cavell, she was the liger. So she's going from acting with Annie and being a liger or a lion or a tiger, and she's doing this play and producing it. So it, it's cool to see incestuous sounds like kind of a bad word sometimes but i mean it as a compliment because in this scene especially the immersive scene it's so incestuous so you have people going and supporting each other by acting and writing and and stuff and it's just it's just really really cool to see yeah and and the scene is growing there's there's some new people coming into the scene uh there's some new works new immersive works uh coming into the fringe festival Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what you know, what people gravitate toward. And I'm really excited. Yeah. So man, that's, it's going to be a busy June. Uh, Yeah. And we have, we have not scratched the surface. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like, like you said earlier, there's so many shows that we are super interested in, but didn't mention just as far as timing goes, but there's a ton of horror. There's a ton of magic. There's even more immersive shows. There's 
more musicals and there's just there's some there's really so heavy much. dramas that i'm really interested in too yeah because you have feelings yeah i do because you're a delicate flower no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we survive and we are able to get sleep but i'm already looking at at my schedule and like every saturday is just booked at this point yeah yeah mine too definitely like you said if you want to check out our article on all the shows we're interested in. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's on the website. And please do because we cannot stress enough. There's so many things that we haven't mentioned that we would love to, but but it would take three hours. Right. Please check out the list. There, there's we're pointing to. And then after checking out our list, go to the Hollywood Fringe Festival site. Keep browsing. There's so much to choose from. Right. There's over 350 shows on the Hollywood Fringe site, which is hollywoodfringe.org on Facebook Hollywood Fringe, and on Instagram and Twitter, Hollywood Fringe. So, Russell. Yes? Every so often, we'll come across something, and it blows us away to the point where we have no idea what else to say. Yeah. And that happened this past week. I think we should set the scene, Mike. (laughs) Okay. I think we should, like, create a visual poem, perhaps, just go with me, okay? How do you make visuals rhyme? Sometimes. <laughs> I'm just, I want to learn. No, so you, ask, you ask questions to learn. All right. Not long ago, you and I found ourselves in downtown Fullerton, did we not? Yes. And there was a moment when you and I were standing in a room, and we realized that we had to get out of the building as fast as possible. Yes. Someone called that an escape room or a fire. Just stay with me. So there we were in this room, and we knew that we had to get out of the building. And you, you went first, and you you pushed your way through this door, and you ran through it, and I was right behind you. And then we turned and looked at each other. And then this happened. I looked at you. You looked at me. And I think we had the exact same expression on our face. That's fair to say. How would you describe it? Excitement, wonder, fright, um so many more adjectives that i can't even use right now yeah it just i uh, i actually had this thought in my head i looked at you and i went i think i actually said something to you like i'm so glad you look like that because i just wanted to make sure that that what we just did was as fun and awesome as i think it was and it was it was it totally was we're talking about escapade games in fullerton california they have a room called the Zoe Room, and Mike blew me away. Uh, same here. This thing was so much, so much fun and completely unexpected. Yeah, there's the. I think it works so well on us due to the element of surprise. True. We didn't know anything going in except it was horror-themed, and it was an escape room. And I implore you, if you're listening to this and you haven't done it, do the same, because you will be caught so off guard in a good way. And it will add so much to your experience. Absolutely. Don't research. Do not read reviews. Don't find any information out. Well, they can read our reviews because it's spoiler free. Yeah. Just the, the, we do talk about the tone and the vibe and, and, but yeah. And we were lucky enough. We were so lucky, Mike that the creators, the owners of Escapade Games were able to talk to us afterwards. Yeah, and this interview took place a couple minutes after we escaped. So 
you will understand the emotions and feelings that Russell just described about running out of the building. You'll hear it in our voice because, yeah, you'll you'll understand. And I want to point to one thing. When you're listening to this interview, you will notice that my voice is hoarse from screaming. From Russell's haunt noises, trademarked. <laughs> so uh, let's just go into the interview with Escapade Escape Games. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Russell. Um, we just did the Zoe room at Escapade Escape Rooms in Fullerton. And oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I only have one freaking thing to add, and that's Mike. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Mike. <laughs> yeah, and we're not acting or exaggerating. Like, this roommate is making us still say this. And uh, we are lucky enough to be with the owners. Uh, please introduce yourselves. My name is Kirill, and actually, this is my wife. Uh, I'm Julia. And seriously, like, without beyond saying, oh, my God, I'm speechless about this escape room. Um, this, this is everything that Russell and I could ever have hoped for in an escape room. And you have done it. It's something that we've never seen before. Uh, we've seen like attempts but nothing like this um how did you come up with this idea and this story actually we've made a big research before uh, before come here so we were firstly thinking about coming uh, to germany for example and opening this this type of escape rooms but they're actually not not i would wouldn't tell that they're absolutely new in the world so for example in on the russian market we we've tried some of the uh, escape rooms which are more or less like close to concept to our escape room so they are a horror escape room and they are all based i would say on the basic thing that you are uh, not like uh, i would say you are acting inside the, you are the victim inside the escape room so you are getting inside and you are uh, always under the pressure always under the uh, some suspense and you are doing it for any horror uh, theme stuff, like, for example, day and light. So you, you imagine, like, and you tried it, you experienced it. When there is a light, you can do something, you can investigate, try to to, to move forward. Where is the dark, uh, something really weird happens. So it's like, the, the it's, I mean, it's, uh, I would say it's, uh, I, the, the main idea is, is uh, it's from the such films as uh, uh, I, I don't know The Ring or even uh, how's it called? The, you remember you the, the one of the weirdest uh, horror films, uh, Sinister. Yeah, I was Sinister. Oh, so okay. you almost see no blood. You almost see no re really something super creepy. But you feel the atmosphere. You feel the suspense all the time. And daylight sounds and the, all these effects. You're just taking them and trying to, to put inside the uh, like quite big premises in our case just to make it more intense and to, to add some action but this is this is the the main idea we just we just took what was already uh, invented and tried to to put it in our premises yeah one thing you just touched on i mean basically what happened at the end of this escape room mike and i came out we saw you guys we turned the recorder on we started talking we were still high like one thing you just touched on that Mike and I should make clear is this is a horror escape room. This is absolutely out to mess with you and frighten you. And you go for it 
and you succeed and we had a blast because of it. Uh, my first question has to be like, what do you do when people don't move forward? Because I, I am sure you've had people freeze inside this thing. Yeah, we we, we had uh, quite many groups who are uh, really stuck in some moments. Sometimes even people just asking them to stop the game or just uh, make them leave. So we had several groups. They were just saying, like, guys, we're not able to move forward. Please let us uh, go out. We actually, we do not force to stay. So I at any moment, everyone can just uh, open the door uh, and go freely go out. Or it's it's uh, it's definitely not the, the not what we want. Uh, but but some people do it. Some people do it du during uh, the very beginning. I would tell you, <laughs> just even without any. Uh, okay. Like the first things that you remember, the first things, guys, where when something really happens not not normally, so they usually do it even before that. So it's like five minutes or three minutes after the beginning of the game. We had one group, and uh, the girl she said, "I'm not able to, to go forward." Actually, we have two groups. Uh, yeah, just I want to add that in this case, um, we let the person uh, get out of the room, uh, but we let her watch the game. Yeah. So uh, that was the case when she had an opportunity like to see her friends being scared. Yeah, she was making a lot of fun <laughs> with her friends. <laughs> but in the case if uh, um, like some specific cases when they're moving really f like almost at the end, we are trying to push them. So we're, we're thinking that like th the main thing that we have is the experience you get. It's not like the only solving puzzles. So we're trying to help people to go through the whole storyline. So this is our main concept because you, you've you just paid for the film or paid for something. You would love to, to like to finish to understand what's happened at the end. So we are trying to, to, to push them a little bit. If we see that they're too frightened, definitely we'll try to uh, make uh, like less, I would say, contact with them. So just to make, uh, just to finish the, the whole storyline. So the idea is each group and each game it's quite unique because, uh, uh, like sh actually the operator and uh, the actor they they should adapt their own uh, attitude and their own movements uh, to the people they play. To. So they have to feel them. They have to react. Uh, sometimes. Uh, 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 they have to keep the distance. Sometimes they have to be a little bit to push more rush. So they need to feel this one. I mean, this is the experience. Uh, probably, what, what can really help some people is maybe talent. I don't know. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's like that. Uh, usually in escape rooms, just because there's a counting countdown clock, uh, people just get anxiety. It's like, oh my god, I need to get out. I only have a certain amount of time. But you've added like three or four different forms of anxiety to this room and i want to compliment you guys on that because not only did we feel we were in a time crunch we also felt i mean without giving anything away the other portions like <laughs> you know i'm doing hand gestures so i don't say it but like it adds so much and it's all mo most of it, it's all mental and Oh my God. <laughs> and it's, as you mentioned, story driven. And I, I'm, I, I'm going to say that it's probably not the most difficult escape room we've ever done, but rarely have I ever felt this level of frustration and anxiety and absolute fear. And, uh, you know, Mike got, yeah, Mike hasn't heard my girly scream in a while <laughs> and he heard it several <laughs> times tonight. Uh, 
there were moments that you know you use dark and light and shadows and movement in in dim light you use all of that to such nice effect and it's all based in the story of the character, which, by the way, I also uh, I don't want to spoil how it's done. But the use of a character to deliver the clues the way that you do, I thought was very nice and very effective and completely in character with the room, because Mike and I are used to the situation where somebody's calling you on a walkie talkie. and It's like, no, look over there. This is completely in character. You create a universe and you never break the universe. And that is such a nice thing. And I think that's why Mike and I came out looking the way we did and just so gleeful over this. So Thank congratulations you. on that. It's story driven and it's very horror oriented. And, and I loved it. Yeah, and I mean, we we just did another escape room and we talked about immersion and immersing yourself in the environment. This was a thousand percent like we were in this room and that room. And when you see certain things, it's like, oh, my God, I'm I'm next. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but this is this is as it should be. I think it's it's always like it's it's really fun. Especially it's it was fun to play, for example, with you because you were immersed. And like in our case, most of the people immersed. But uh, we had some people who are trying to how how to say who are trying to be tough at least until uh, the middle. And even in the middle, you see their eyes are like uh, they can even close their eyes. You know, you know, so there was a group who were really tough and were thinking, well, why guys, they do not react actually. And when uh, uh, Yulia arrived once, so she she could see that they actually, they just closing uh, their eyes when when something happened and standing. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's less fun for them, in my opinion, but in general, like, this is the thing. You, you, it's a lot of fun. You, you get you get express yourself. You can scream. You can uh, like can be really shout. Push push your friend somewhere. Like just. I mean, it's, it's really fun. It should be fun. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, I mean, you like I I always joke with Russell about his haunt noises, like when he screams. But not only did his haunt noises come out to play, but vulgar swearing Russell came out to play <laughs> as well. <laughs> and I, I'm guilty of it too <laughs> in this, and that, and it, it it's such a great <laughs> compliment to you guys. To, I mean, first of all, to get Russell's hot noises, it's not that hard, but to get the combo, like, yes, congratulations on that. I thank you for it. It was a great deal of fun, and I will say that this, I don't know, I, uh, I, I was joking with Mike. I didn't know anything about the room tonight before walking in. I didn't know. I walked up and saw the poster and went, oh, it, it's horror. Okay. <laughs> so I had no idea walking into this what I was in store for. And when all I'm going to say is the room takes a turn. When that turn happened and Mike said something and I was working on a clue and I turned around to see the reveal of what had happened, that was when I started swearing. And it was such an awesome moment. It was wonderful. And, and <laughs> like seriously, seriously, thank you for that. I, I sincerely appreciate what you've created. That's that was wonderful. Now, because the room is so horror based, and um, once people come and do this room, they'll understand where I'm going with this. But is there a way to, you know, a lot of times rooms will will up the ante for Halloween. They'll add more things or, or whatnot. Can you even do that in this room? Like, can you make it like add stuff for Halloween? Yeah, we, we actually think that right now our room is uh, uh, 
completed for 70%, I think. That's from what we expected from the very beginning. And this is actually only a part of the story. So uh, we're building the second uh, escape uh, room. So it's uh, just under the corner. It's it's also here, and this uh, we, we're supposed to make another part of the story. It won't be actually a horror escape room, but uh, we want to uh, how to say to save this concept, not the not the suspense probably because it will be much harder to make the suspense uh, non in horror room, but uh, we're planning to add some action. So it will also we'll we'll try to make it as immersive as possible and to add some action. So you also need to. Uh, to make a lot of movements, not just solving the puzzles, not just making some really serious physical efforts, but at least to move a lot. To move, to see, then sometimes to crawl, or this, this even basic specific things, they're making, I mean, experience much richer. Yeah, and uh, for, the, for the Halloween, I don't know, we'll just add the, uh, the things that we probably wanted to add. And we have a lot of stuff already put inside our, our list, so... Uh, I'm not able to tell you about them because it's spoilers, <laughs> but th- there's there's plenty of them coming. It's, it's awesome. True. And you mentioned a second room. When are you planning on opening that? Uh, it, it depends on several things, but we we actually a month ago we said it it would be two months, but right now I think <laughs> it, nothing nothing changed has changed. So it's about one and a half two month. We need to open it. But I mean, for the second one, it's. It, there's some difficulties in terms of concept because it's uh, uh, to make it immersive uh, so we are not able to use some effects that you're using right here so we need to, to to invent and to use another effect and they're a little bit how to say it's much more difficult to use and to implement them so we're working on them uh, on that and we're still hoping to have uh, like a high level of immersion uh, and actually, this is the same story. So it explains what happened uh, in the horror room. So it's just saying like w- what was there and why, uh, why the girls uh, and who is Zoe, who is Robert. Yeah. So the second, the second room uh, will be called the experiment, and it, and it will be part one, one story. So Zoe is like part two, and ex- the experiment will be explaining what like what has happened. You know. So. One of the questions that always comes up with escape rooms that are really, really good and we love is replayability. Like, we want to come back and play this right now. Do you, can people replay this? And do you have anything set where people can come back? At, like, it's maybe like different puzzles or something like that? Uh, well, basically, um, uh, we have a very uh, specific replayability, uh, but uh, you, like, I cannot give it out to you, and you should come. And play first, and then you will learn what our replayability is about. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, w- we have an option with the re- replayability, and we are testing it, and definitely uh, we'll make some changes and probably move forward in terms of re- replayability for escape rooms. So thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you for creating this. We had so much freaking fun like it's ridiculous um it's escapade games and it's in downtown fullerton um where can people find you on the internet uh it's uh, escapadegames.us so um, they can actually search us on or they can facebook yelp so everywhere instagram Instagram. yeah awesome well thank you so much thank you thank you guys thank Thank you. you for coming
so thank you guys so much for talking with us and thank you for creating this. Um, you know, Russell, I just realized we really didn't say much about the room, you no. know, but it's, it's one of those things like there, remember on the last podcast, we mentioned that when we did 60 out, there weren't many lock and key puzzles like traditional, like, oh, yes. you have to find a key. Yeah. This was a similar thing. Mm-hmm. There for the were, most part, yeah, there were a couple, but for the most part, no. Yeah, there were, there were, most of them were tasks you had to do um, in order to solve a puzzle instead of find a key that goes to this lock or find a word that opens this word lock kind of thing. So I like that because it, it adds to, to this room as well. Yeah. Because it, it just, this room is creepy as hell. It's scary as hell. And by using puzzles that require you to say like find a word i think that would take you out of out of the emotional element of this room well i think we wrote on the website uh when we reviewed this that it fits the story the, right that you're the tasks you're doing fits the story and actually you have to perform certain tasks to move the story forward and the story doesn't progress unless you figure out what to do correctly and that makes it feel like you are creating the event which I think lends itself to why you and I got so wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we were totally immersed in the story because it was really happening. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was unfolding. We were making the story unfold. Like we forgot it was an escape room and at <laughs> seriously because <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we just we were in this creepy house trying to get out. It was no longer an escape room. It was a real house. Yeah, and there's so much that they play with from light to sound to darkness to shadow to movement. They play with everything in the environment. And just if you like horror, and please be aware, this is a horror escape room. You heard in the interview that they've actually had people stop yeah, and not progress forward because of fear. Right. And if you let yourself buy into it, like if you just emotionally drop in go for it like you will have a blast if you like horror this is an escape room i would do every single day if i could oh yeah i i i absolutely want to go back i uh you know the i want to go back and and watch other people (laughs) (laughs) discover the things we discovered (laughs) this was such a pleasant surprise yeah and one thing I want to point out, you mentioned, it, we both mentioned it was a horror escape room, but this is not a horror escape room like you're used to seeing. This is so much more than just having blood on the walls or a gory arm on a table. So much more. Like, seriously, trust us. If you like horror, you need to do this. Even if you don't like escape rooms, you need to do this. And if you go and you hate it, then you have our permission to never listen to anything we say ever again, but we will, we will back this. We, up. Yeah. We, <laughs> if you don't like it, then Russell will fight you and <laughs> he will. Yes. <laughs> so that's, you're not a fighter, right? No. See, exactly. So that's my point. Wait, you, how, you won't have to fight wait, because no one is going to say like, that was dumb. Mike and Russell, I'm never listening to anything you say again. And I'm going to fight Russell. Now, no one will fight you because it's, because that's that good. See what I'm, I did there? I, 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 I'm still thinking. <laughs> All right. We'll go with it. <laughs> and it has to be an honest dislike. You can't just say, I hated it just to fight Russell. 
you have to really not like it. So you don't know. I may have a very specific set of skills, Mike. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, too bad they're not in escape rooms. Ow. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Who missed the most major? Wait, no. And then I yeah. messed up. And then so you messed up. And then I messed up. And because we were so wrapped up in the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kept fumbling. Actually, that, that's a, I think that is a good, a good funny point. We fumbled a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Because we were so wrapped up in the story and what was going on around us, we actually fumbled some clues. Yeah. That's how good it is. Yeah, that's how good it is. Oh, I want to do it right now. <sighs> yes. <laughs> okay, enough of this... Gushing? Yeah. <laughs> um, seriously, please go check this out. It's a newer room. Um, y- you will love it. Uh, go to their website. It's escapadegames.us. On Facebook, they're Escapade Games California, and on Instagram, Escapade Games. And again, we mentioned this on the last podcast, but shout huge, huge shout out to Brandon and Brian for letting us know about Zoe. Yes. Um, because without you emailing us, we would have never done this, and this room is easily one of our favorites now. So thank you so much. And like we said last time, if you know of anything that you think we would dig, like definitely let us know. Like there's, there's just no way to know about everything all the time. So it, it's good to have a community support. And yeah. We let thank you, know you guys things. so much for bringing this to our attention. I, Mike, I, I think, I think right now this is my favorite escape room I have ever done. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And Russell, you were able to check out Force of Nature's new show, Tales from Tomorrow. Yes, I was able to see a show called Tales from Tomorrow. And by the time this podcast gets released, the show will have finished its run. But I wanted to talk about Force of Nature Productions for a couple of reasons. Um, They have a show called Tales from Tomorrow, and it's going to return. It is a compilation show. Uh, It was about an hour long, Mike. It was five short plays. It was, uh, of the plays, several of them had were from new writers that had never been produced before. Uh, it's What Force of Nature does is they are developing new talent. And what they did was they chose a theme, and they mounted these five small, small plays, their original productions. Uh, they get together five writers, a cast, five directors, and they mount the show. So And they do it very, fairly quickly. But uh, it's a it's a show that's going to come back. All of them had very much a I'm going to say Twilight Zone feel, Mike. Um, there was a story about a Christmas gift that uh, was a very creepy way of expressing affection and love for someone. Uh, there was a show about robots and AI and how they might fit into our lives. There was a show about which almost was like a a dark, dark O. Henry short story twist at the end of the one thing that somebody wanted is the one thing that they were forced into doing for the rest of their lives. Uh, So it it definitely had a, you know, kind of a Twilight Zone vibe. Um, They did a version of, I, I think probably everyone listening to this podcast knows The Monkey's Paw. They did a, one of the short plays had a very similar vibe, except using modern technology. Oh, cool. So the ghost actually was communicating through technology, which was I thought was really an interesting twist on a story that we've seen something similar before. So Force of Nature Productions is going to bring Tales from Tomorrow back. Uh, 
And also, I want to point towards something else that Force of Nature does. They do something called the Rush Play Festival uh, two or three times a year, depending on their schedule. And what that is, is they, in the process of two and a half to three weeks, they choose a theme, they get writers and directors and cast together uh, through literally a lottery process, Mike. They form these small casts and crews and within less than three weeks mount a show based on a theme. And again, the last one I saw was also five short shows. um, And it was based on, of all things, 80s pop tune titles. And the fun thing was every one of the short plays worked in a lyric or the title of an 80s pop tune. So it's kind of like a fun Easter egg if you could point it out or find it during the show. So Force of Nature Productions is... Also, the company, which last year, Mike, you remember Fallen Saints. Yeah. They are doing another version this year, and they're going to be previewing that version in a short 15 to 20 minute long version at Midsummer Screen this year. Oh, awesome. So people will be able to get a little preview of what they've got planned for the October season. Force of Nature Productions is a really active, engaging company trying to develop new work, trying to develop new talent. Uh, they're definitely, we've, we've pointed them before around the time the fallen saints. And also they're the company that hosted, um, haunted house calls last year, which was a magic show featuring our magician friend, Micah, uh, which I really loved. Unfortunately, I think you were out of town that weekend. Yeah. So this is a company to keep an eye on, especially knowing that they are going to be doing creepier stuff in October and that they've got tales from tomorrow, which is going to have at times a creepy vibe. And also, uh, they may, might be flirting with some dark uh, themes in the Rush Play Festivals that they have in the future. Nice. So I was hinted at that. Um, So I spoke with Sebastian, who's one of the creative forces behind Force of Nature. Sebastian, thank you so much for giving me all that information. And if you would like to keep an eye on uh, Force of Nature Productions, definitely look for them at the Midsummer Scream Convention in the middle of summer. You can go to FONProductions.com. On Facebook, it's FONProds. On Instagram, it is FONProds. And on Twitter, it is FONProds. So keep an eye on them. They've got some creepy stuff coming up. And also their other stuff is just plain fun and creative. And there's a lot of energy and fun to this company that is really, really appealing, Mike. That's awesome. I'm excited for what they have coming down the pipeline. I was so excited when Sebastian told me that they were doing a new chapter to Fallen Saints. Yeah, because that was so good. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Speaking of fun, we finally were able to get to see Urban Death at Zombie Joe's. Yes, definitely fun. And it's interesting because that's the first thing that we both, after the show ended, we went outside, we looked at each other. It's like, that was fun yeah like it wasn't great like don't get me wrong it still had the creepy elements it still had the really un-pc type elements but overall there was more comedy in this one i think than than past urban deaths yes i would agree with you um did you think that was a negative or a positive or oh it's it's a positive it's not it's not a criticism at all it's it's just by comparison to other urban deaths this one was more funny and humorous. Yeah. Did you, uh, do you feel that the audience played a hand in, in that, that feeling that we had, like that it was more fun? Cause it was a very boisterous audience that we saw with. Um, it, I don't, that's a good question. I, it might, because I think if we saw it with a different crowd, a lot of those scenes that were, were quote unquote funny 
would have been discussed. Interesting. Yeah, it, it just it was a very uh, a very boisterous crowd, and I noticed there was a lot of woohoo, yeah. And I, and at first I wasn't sure if it was woohoo, yeah. I saw boobies. <laughs> that that kind of woohoo, yeah. How old are you? And you say boobies? <laughs> <laughs> just go with me. <laughs> and because the and the reason I say that is there is some nudity in this show. There is uh, you know Zombie Joe's does not shy away from you know nudity and sexual content at all. They certainly don't in this show. Um, but there there was this sort of you know there were a couple of times when I thought the more horrifying stuff didn't get that boisterous reaction. Right. So because like there there's you know there's some really wow I was about to say lovely but I think that's the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really quiet moments that I was I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. I was enthusiastically applauding, and I noticed the people around me were doing a golf clap. <laughs> and I was like, oh, obviously not a crowd into the darker stuff. <laughs> but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just I just noticed that that particular audience we were with really felt, felt a connection to the boisterous, naughty stuff. I think a little bit more than the dark, because there were a couple of, you know, I don't want because uh, one of the things that is happening is there's an extension of this show, and I don't want to give spoilers, but there's there's like there's a moment where you witness a woman's final moments. Right. That was horrifying to me, you know. And you know, there's there's another moment where I, which I was horrified and laughed at the same time, where a woman kind of does a primal scream to get rid of the voices in her head, like things like that. Like, that scream, though, holy hell! That that ne- that scream it was needs piercing. You know that it, it needs an award. Yeah, it was piercing. It was it was, and I'm not talking your eardrums. I'm talking your heart. Yeah, shout out to Dasha. Yeah. for that. Yeah, Jesus, man. Yeah, it was it was horrifying. Um, you know, th- there's there's many moments like that in the show. Uh, so, but it also, I think, partially also for me, the reason that it felt more fun is they almost immediately they start with. One of the raunchiest, <laughs> most disturbing, but funniest visuals I've ever seen in Zombie Joe. And I think also they had a lot more quote unquote props in this one. And I don't mean props as in, oh, he's carrying in an umbrella, but props. Interesting. And props. Yeah, uh, Mike's doing hand gestures. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Welcome to Interpretive Dance with Mike. But there's more, there was more physical type stuff that was gross. Yes, very gross. But it was gross in that way, like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. And you have to laugh. Absolutely. And again, kudos to this cast. Yeah, as always. So uh, I think, Mike, we have a first. What's that? We have My Haunt Life's first ever immersive interview <laughs> uh we uh we spoke to zombie joe and a couple of cast members after the show <laughs> except uh we wanted to talk about the extension for urban death we wanted to talk about the show that we had just seen uh uh you will notice that there's a lot of energy in this interview because they had just literally finished performing the show and uh we actually did this interview where they also mentioned upcoming production of Blood Alley. Yeah. And we did the interview in an actual alley. So. (laughs) And on top of the urban death extension, Zombie Joe gave Russell an extension. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you'll see why in just a few minutes. So, uh, y- y- you got some you got some affection thrown your way, dude. Yeah, this interview gets weird really quick. But yes. it's what you expect from Zombie Joe, and we love it, and yeah. we love him. So, uh, here's the back alley interview from Zombie Joe's and My Haunt Life. This is Mike and Russell. We just got out of the most recent run of Urban Death. Yeah. And we are standing here with a couple of people who happen to know the show very well. Uh, please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Um, hi, I'm Zombie Joe. Hi, I am Elif. Uh, Zombie, uh, you have directed this show, correct? Uh, yeah, Jan and I directed this, uh, this incarnation of Urban Death, and uh, it's, been, it's been great. It's been a great run, thanks to you guys. It's <laughs> well, been great. And we extend for three more weeks, Saturdays at 11 through May uh, 20th. Which is one of the reasons we wanted to chat with you. Uh, rumor has it that you've been selling out and this run has been doing extremely well. It's been, we can always do a little better, you know. We can always sell a few more tickets, but no, it's been it's been it's been packed every week. It's been we're very lucky, we're very fortunate, lucky that people have been coming out. For and it. definitely, you were packed tonight. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> no chocolates this time. Uh, real, real quick question: Oh, you guys don't get up to beaten path. Uh, is the jerky still in the fridge? The beef jerky and still refrigerated. I am currently out of jerky. Oh, what kind of jerky do you like? We'll have to get you some. The barbecue bacon jerky is exceptional. Nice. <laughs> Which barbecue? What about chocolate? Technically isn't bacon? jerky. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Hey, who's jerky here? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's going there. Are we going there? <laughs> Pull back. <laughs> Pull out. Um, so also with the extension, we heard a rumor that there will be new scenes. So if you saw Urban Death on this run, there's a reason for you to come back. Absolutely. Uh, tonight, tonight's performance was the last night of the original of the official run, April 29th. But what you actually saw was you saw the, some of the new pieces. Uh, we decided to, to speckle them in tonight. Uh, and then next week is the official extension with the extension cast. Uh, we're ju- there's just a couple new cast members, Elif, uh, Brandon and Daniel Palma. So Elif and Daniel were in the show tonight. And so they'll be, they'll be basically taking over some of the roles uh, of, for Ian and, uh, and Wynn for the, for the next three weeks. So, yeah. And you also dropped a tidbit of knowledge that you just glossed right over, but there's a new show happening. New show, uh, Blood Alley 3. Yes, yes. And uh, Elif is our Blood Alley captain. Yeah. And we actually had a couple prospective new actors come to see Urban Death, and they couldn't run out of here fast enough. That's it's right. good That's that right. It's good That's that new right. people see what we're doing, and yeah. they get an idea of where, because this is like the tip of the iceberg, you know, in terms of like, so this new Blood Alley is going to be like really scathing and hardcore. So. Yes. As if it wasn't not before. Yeah, it's been lightweight. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, and, uh... like PG-10 <laughs> too. <laughs> so for people that saw Urban Death and maybe they're newer to Zombie Joes, what can they expect from this Blood Alley outside of what you just said, say comparing to this to Urban Death? Mm-hmm. Comparing to Urban Death. Um, In general, yeah. Okay, Blood, Blood Alley is... We, we are still following the big footsteps of urban death. Of course, there's nothing like urban death. But Blood Alley is maybe a little bit darker. And it's almost a little bit more punk, let's say. And uh, there is kind of a nastier streak in it. And urban death 
is really scary and really disturbing, but there's more comedy in there, and like there's lots of naughtiness. Blood Alley strips all that away, and it is just bone dry, horrifying, awful, sad. You know, hopefully, when you get out of the theater, you're just gonna run into a car and just run away, and like I don't know. Yeah, so it's, it's a that's little more uh, selective audience, and, exactly. and also we have the theme of the hundred-year trauma yes. with the live music from with the live music from Van Cott, and it's got you know we, so we have period pieces in the show as well uh, that kind of linger in the show. It's just a little more thematic, I think. Uh, we're gonna really try to. I don't know how much Blood Alley Christmas, you know, like we're going to we're going to try to really stick to the um, stick to the theme of the of the trauma and the haunted the hauntingness of the alley and really try to like bring that immersion and the horror into the round. Yeah, Blood Alley, the the second one, the Christmas one was like a special show. It was a little bit different than what we were thinking for the first Blood Alley. It was very special. Yes, it was. It, it, it's really, I don't think You're special. Yeah, way. I don't think you'll ever see such shows anywhere else but <laughs> CJU. But uh, we are going to go back to basics again for this third one and then uh, do it as hard and dark as possible. But the first one was like that. So. And um, I, I guess the difference also between Blood Alley and Urban Death is like the stories are slightly longer. We actually talk in some of them. There is like a dialogue, monologue. Urban Death is a, a different beast. So, And Russell and I have seen both incarnations of Blood Alley uh, and Blood Alley and Urban Death, and they can coexist. They are yes. two separate entities. It's not like you will go to one and then go in the other and be like, oh, I saw the same show. Like, they are completely okay. different. So, like, exactly what you said. I mean, Blood Alley is just so effed up. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. In I, a good, is that in a good way? Of course. Do, who has the chocolate? You guys have the candy with you? The chocolate? I'm sorry. I'm going to kiss Russ on the cheek. <laughs> Mm. I've been dying to kiss them all night. I wish you could just watch what I have watched. <laughs> These guys are fucking legends. My haunt life, man. Oh, the please. legends. I feel like that's going to be a scene in the next Urban Death. It, yes. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it's more Blood Alley yeah. than Urban Death. Zombie kissing Russell? I, I'm just. I'm still caught up in the fact that I've never been kissed by a yes, man have. in an alley before. <laughs> and that's what How was it? Double kiss. I, I were, uh, it was like. Mwah. But don't and you want to kiss this guy? Look yes, at his face. Yes. Look at the shade of wait, blood. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. I, I can't look at this anymore. Oh gosh. There uh, you go. Mike got his. Uh, I, I have for a leaf. Yes. Uh, I, I want to say something to you because I, uh, we have Mike and I have seen you in several shows here at yes. Zombie Joe's Underground, yes. and one of the thing that we've we've complimented the cast on numerous times on the podcast, and it is talked about I think among the fans, the casts are extremely brave and adventurous okay. here. Yes, as an actress, I have seen you do incredibly vulnerable work, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, physically. Uh, these are taxing shows. For you, what is the most interesting or exciting part of the process of creating an urban death or a blood alley? Uh, I think when we come off with ideas, the feeling that I can trust the audience, I don't feel vulnerable. Actually, I feel protected. Oh, that's very interesting. By the audience. So whatever the crazy idea we come up with, I know that they will 
they will be there for me. So that feels actually like every time we are like, can we beat that? Can we go darker and crazier? There is always this insurance in my physical body. Like seriously, I honestly feel secure because I'm like, they are there for me and I'm there for them. I feel like a teamwork when I'm on stage. So I, when I'm nude or doing this or that, I never think like, oh, I feel so vulnerable. I'm, I'm like, can I please share this moment with you? And they are ready to share it with me. So I, I never see it as a brave thing. I, I, I have to say, as an, as an audience member who's come numerous times to yes. this show, it, I think we feel it is brave. And if you feel that way from the audience, I have to say that you, as, as a cast member, you know, the entire cast has earned that protection. Yes. And I think it's a form of respect from the audience. Okay, that that's lovely to hear. <laughs> Matt Vorce is also going to be in uh, Blood Alley, Blood Alley veteran over here. Matt, Matt just walked up and joined hey us. Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah, and you lots know, there there are lots of kissing. I don't know. You might want to just go away. <laughs> that's nice though. Everybody deserves a kiss every once in a while. Um, so we, Russell was just talking about bravery for the things you've done. You just walked up, and you know, I make jokes with you. It's like, oh, it wouldn't be a zombie Joe shows without Matt's wiener flapping around. <laughs> as far as you go, like, I mean. You know, she she says she feels protected by the audience when she's in yeah. those situations. Like, how do you feel when you're in those situations as well? Um, the same way, actually. It also like with the uh, I feel protected by the cast too, in a way, because we all have each other's backs. And if anything happens like that, you know, it's uh, everybody's showing every bit of themselves, whether it be physically or emotionally. You know, so we're protected by each other and the audience I think and especially Alif is like the biggest protector of all <laughs> but also it helps that he has an amazing body oh. <laughs> and his winner is really gorgeous oh. <laughs> <laughs> things are getting weird <laughs> stranger yeah, anyway. add me on Instagram if anybody <laughs> we are going to start rehearsing right now <laughs> We're going to do every interview from now on in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, an alley. Oh, go ahead. I can, I can get behind that, I think, maybe. <laughs> I don't want you behind <laughs> anything. I, <laughs> I want to get behind Russ. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I feel very protected by Zombie Joe right now. I'm not yeah. sure why. It's <laughs> not going to be protection. <laughs> but it's a short run. It's a three-week run. We open. Uh, it's Friday, Saturdays at 11, May 26th through uh, June 10th. It's just a three-week, six-performance run of the show. So. It's a quickie. It's a quickie, yeah. Just a, like a special something. It's part of our underground fringe, our 25th anniversary. We're gonna, we have a lot of shows in June that are going to be playing. And this is also uh, Brandon Slezak, our general manager. Have you guys met him? Oh, yes. Yeah, how you doing, guys? So. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to my haunt life. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that we thoroughly enjoyed the show tonight. And, oh, yeah. uh, it, it's been wonderful talking with these guys. Um, <laughs> congratulations on that. And congratulations. We're very excited that there's an extension. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of the extension. He'll be, he's going to be in the extension doing some sick stuff. Some oh, sick stuff. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Gonna be, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Thank you. You know, fucking go my hot life, right? Yeah. Go my hot life. Go my life. We're huge fans, man. We're huge fans. Well, thank you very much. We're huge fans of you guys. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have. Congratulations on the show. Congratulations and 
best of luck and break a leg to everyone on the extension. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, here, hold this real quick before we go. One last thing. Are we kissing? Are we kissing? Oh, no, shit. No, 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 no. Oops. Wait. I just cursed. <laughs> Thank okay. God this is a podcast. I know, right? <laughs> 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 are we done? I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be, but I think we are. Oh, okay. Okay. That's sad. That's sad. See you guys in the extension. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you. So yeah, definitely not weird at all. That happened. <laughs> so thank you, Zombie Joe. Thank you, Elif. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you for everybody. Shout out to the entire cast. Zombie Joe listed some of them in that interview. Uh, yeah, thank you to everyone at Zombie Joe's. Yeah, and Blood Alley, short run, only three weeks. Urban Death extension for three weeks. Make sure to check it out. There's going to be new scenes. Um, in Blood Alley, man, like... Just prepare for the worst because <laughs> you are going to get it. And we mean that in the best way possible. Yep. Uh, for more information on Zombie Joes, you can go find them on the web at zombiejoes.com, on Facebook, ZJU Theater, on Instagram, Zombie Joes, and also Twitter, Zombie Joes. So, Russell, um, I have an announcement for something. Mm-hmm. Um, a long time ago, it seems like a long time ago, it was episode 13. And now we're in episode 51. So mm-hmm. it's like, it seems like ages ago. But Modern Masters, we mentioned way back in episode 13, and it was an ARG type thing forming. We really weren't sure. The creator went and got interviewed at an alien convention. So then it had to do with aliens. And a lot of us just kind of got confused. Um, but they're doing something new. It sounds like they're revamping what Modern Masters is. Uh, and they sent an email, and I'll just read that to you really quick. Sure. We built a brand new site. It's just for you. In case you haven't logged on lately, everything that makes up the Modern Masters universe is new. There are new quests to explore, new character creation possibilities, new users to meet, and new histories to create. When Modern Masters began, we envisioned the platform as an ARG that would teach skills and abilities. Our vision has shifted and coalesced. Now Modern Masters is a learning and collaborative platform with a healthy dose of ARG thrown in. We've based our aesthetic and writing on a mystical fantasy questing type of game, more typical of RPGs. We use this style to, vi- to guide our users on a journey of interior reflection and visualization that we call magic. Interwoven into the lessons and challenges is an ARG-inspired plot involving time travel, evil, and a plan to save the world. So it's cool that they're doing this. I mean, I haven't been into RPGs a lot. Like, I like really don't like those video games, but it, it makes sense and it's cool. And if you're learning stuff as well and there's an ARG component, I don't know, it sounds cool. That, that's the most interesting aspect for me, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where this develops and goes. Yeah. So for more information on Modern Masters, go to modernmasters.org. On Facebook, Modern Masters 22. On Instagram, Modern Masters 22. And also Twitter, Modern Masters 22. So Russell, a lot of times we get random emails. Yes. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we got one of those emails last week. Yes, we did. And we got one from someone named Jeremy uh, with the Order of Beleth. The Order of Beleth is something that had sent out a questionnaire a while back. And I know that they have been in contact with people, but uh, we were made aware that there was an upcoming event. And on behalf of Stephen Lundy, uh, someone named Jeremy had invited us to meet with him. 
Right. And you couldn't because it was pretty short notice. Yeah, it was. And you had plans already. Um, so I went. Yeah. And you haven't told me a thing about this. <laughs> I want to know. It's top secret. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Damn you. It was pretty cool, actually. Um, so yeah, they gave us a location and it was Barnsdale Art Park on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, yeah. And... There's been a few things that have happened here. Um, part of the alone scavenger hunt from a couple years ago happened there. Right. Um, Susie did a dead drop for tension for fun uh, there. And right. that's the one I found. And we were told to go and wait by the stairs and a representative would come to us when the time was right. Mm -hmm. And we got there and there were five total people and they told us to be there by 830. And at 8.30 on the dot, uh, someone in the group, uh, Quinn, got a text message from someone in the order. So right there, just the fact that it was right on time, it's... It, it's Kind of refreshing? Yeah. It's so good. Um, and they explained to him what was going to happen. So one by one, they were he was going to send people up. Uh, and the person on the other end of the line would text him when... He was ready to send the next one. Oh, okay. Uh, so one by one, we went up and we met the man with the umbrella, and which you've seen in some of the Instagram photos. Yeah, I, I remember the image, yeah. And so we we met with him and he led us to, um, to basically a waiting area. Um, and we walked through the park and he would whisper things to you. And I had my first Russell moment. Oh, really? Yeah. So... We, we came to a place and in front of us was a gate, but on the other side of the gate was like a, a lit candle. Mm -hmm. And then there was a path that went left and right. And I couldn't hear him. So I did the rustle line was like, wait, where am I going? Am I going straight to the, like through the fence or I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. And then he whispered again and, and I... I had to go to the right, not to the candle, but I got confused in that second because I couldn't hear him. And I was like, that looks where I'm like, it, where I'm supposed to go, but not sure. And yeah, I had pictures of you like doing like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> that was, that's escape room. Russell. <laughs> usually haunt Russell is, um, I don't know. Screaming. Yeah. Usually. Uh, so after that, we he took the man in the umbrella took us to meet uh, Stephen Lundy, who's the first knight of the order. Okay, and there was a blanket out uh, on the lawn, and we all sat down. and uh, At that point, he started explaining the history of who Beleth was and why he wants to bring her back. So it was really cool because I feel like the people that were there, including myself, weren't really active in the Beleth community. So we got a, a full backstory and we know the story now. Oh, so you, so basically everyone there was new to the mythology? A little bit, yeah. Okay. And this was a really smart way to do this because if you have people that need to catch up, this is going to get them caught up and get them more excited and invested in the story oh, yeah. by having this interaction. Yeah, I, I truly, truly wish I could have joined you for this. I, 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 I you know, such short notice and already had plans. But, you know, it's funny because I, I have been trying to pay attention to Beleth. And so I, you know, they at one point, the the man with the umbrella, the images that they posted, um, I, I am aware that there is an effort to bring Beleth back from wherever she is. 
So that intrigues me, the fact that they're trying to bring something. And did you get an impression that this is a good thing or bad thing, their effort to bring Baleth back? My mind is so screwed up from all of these things that I don't know what to believe anymore. (laughs) Because, sure, Mr. Lundy seems sincere. Mm -hmm. And he keeps saying Baleth is the light and everything like that. But here's the thing. When we were leaving... The man with the umbrella was guiding us out, and I could see he was holding something in in his hand. Okay. And when I did one of those things where it's like, you know when you, you like shoot your neck forward and you squint to try to see? Like, yeah. I think he noticed that I, I noticed he was holding something, and he, he held out his hand and he gave me what he was holding. And it was a, a CD in like a white paper sleeve. Oh, wow. And the CD said... Early attempt, 1992. Early attempt? Yeah. And I went home and I listened to it and I actually uploaded it and we'll, we'll include a link to that in the show notes. So I pop the CD in and the first thing I hear is this. Conjuration attempt seven, June 14th, 1992. You may begin... So, yeah, I right there, I kind of got worried because I pictured Ash reading the Book of the Dead, or <laughs> Ash, I pictured Ash playing the recording of the Book of the Dead right. and thought my house was going to get turned into something. Sucked into a vortex? Yeah. And, and you were afraid that the hair on the sides of your head were going to turn white? They already are. But then <laughs> not listen- like mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're in a league all your own. You brought it up. That's right. <laughs> um But back to the weird noise, okay? Yeah. So okay, so you have some wind and you know, just kind of creepiness, but then you hear this. What does that sound like to you? Oh, come on, Mike. That's your standard unaware guy making an incantation, opening a portal to another dimension, releasing a demon onto our world. See, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> of course it is. So, but here's the thing that he said, Beleth is a light. I mean, I don't, how is that? So that's not mo- Beleth? How think? is that monster is that sound Beleth? I don't know because in the chant, you hear Beleth being said. Mm-hmm. So if it's not Beleth, then I don't know. Uh, wow. Unless, the, you know, it's like, you know, portals are a tricky thing. And when you open one, you don't know exactly what's going to come through. You know, how many times has that happened? There's a difference between summoning a demon and a portal. Oh, that's true. And it is a summoning. A or conjuring. Conjuring. Okay. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um, where does this lead, do you think? I have no idea. I have no idea. Wow, I wish I could have joined you, man. I really do. Well, but uh, obviously there's a story developing here that has some supernatural overtones of some kind. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and monsters. Monsters. Monsters are always cool. Okay, so (laughs) I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I don't know. 
I don't know where this is going to lead. Uh, he said he they'd be in contact soon. Okay. So we'll update you when that happens. Interesting. And they made it sound like you it would be okay if you missed it because there would be other chances. Oh, okay. So all right. I'm thinking you'll be able to meet him at some point. Okay, cool. All right then. Yeah, and. So for more information on the Order of Beleth, you can find them on the web at orderofbeleth.com, on Instagram, Order of Beleth, and also Twitter, Order of Beleth. Okay, Mike. Yeah. You know that there is one immersive event that I have been looking forward to for about a year. Oh, yeah. And we attended it last night. Yes. The Speakeasy Society's third entry into the Johnny Cycle trilogy, and it's called Johnny the Living. <laughs> so, I mean, first impressions. Like, uh, I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I, I was blown away by what we saw last night. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's hard to describe exactly what Speakeasy Society has achieved. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that they, uh, chose a very different, wow. I don't even know how to get into this, man. Let me, let me say this five minutes into this event, I stopped myself and I, and I literally had to do this weird reset in my mind. I had to do the same thing because in my mind I had to go, holy crap, this is absolutely nothing like what I expected. Yep. I was thinking the same exact thing. And I was going to bring that up to you because there's been a few times where I would go into something expecting something yeah, and have the rug pulled right from under me and in, in a good way. Not, yeah. a, that's not a criticism. And that happened last night. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it's really interesting that they start Johnny the living with an extremely chaotic, frenetically paced opening sequence that introduces so many elements and throws so much at you. And yet when it starts to break away, when it starts to reveal itself as to what the tone of the evening becomes, that setting is perfect because, um, for those of you who have not attended the first, the first entries in the Johnny trilogy, um, it is based on Johnny Got His Gun, which is a anti-war statement novel by Dalton Trumbo. Uh, if you don't know anything about Dalton Trumbo, he is a writer who was blacklisted during the McCarthy era. Uh, fascinating history behind the man. And he wrote this novel called Johnny Got His Gun, which is a controversial book about an injured soldier who is dealing with the fact that he has injuries so catastrophic that he has lost his vision, he has lost his ability to speak, and he has lost all of his limbs. And the book is a attempt to follow him as he's sorting through the realization of what happened to him and him re- wrestling with the memories of what his life was, what he has lost, and what may have happened to the people who were important to him before he went to war. And also... Russell, it might be hard to visualize that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you go and watch the Metallica video for one, which came out like a long time ago at this point, um, you can get a visual and you can kind of get into Johnny's head, um, just how he's feeling. And you can actually, there's visuals 
that actually helped me. Like, oh, I totally understand why. Yeah, because yeah. it just it puts you in that headspace. It puts you like, you know, in that role, so to speak. By like, that's inspiration for the character. Yeah, and and the the video that Mike is referring to is basically based on the story of Johnny Got His Gun in a rock video format. So I I think you're right. I think that is a good intro for someone who's not familiar with the story. But very quickly, you get caught up. They they set the groundwork here, I think, very well. Uh, You know at the beginning of the show, they set it up immediately that this is an important piece of work that is going to be interpreted in many ways. Movies have been made. Rock videos have been made. They acknowledge that in the opening sequence of the show. And then they sort of tear that away. And what they what you start to realize is that they have decided to mix reality and fiction in a whirlwind of sequences that, um, I swear, Mike, I felt like I never stopped moving the entire show. Yeah. You are led from place to place. You witness scenes. You're pulled out of scenes in the middle of scenes as they're happening. It, this is a... It, it, I think the physicality of the show, and by the way, I, it, it's nothing strenuous. It's nothing, it, it's nothing that anyone can't handle. I will say this. Absolutely, you must wear comfortable shoes to this show. Absolutely. That's key because you will be walking and moving a lot. Um, that movement it adds so much to the show, I think, because it keeps you... Oh, I was about to say it keeps you on your toes. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> but... The key thing for me was the fact that that they introduced Dalton Trumbo more as a character than they have before. He did appear in the second installment of the trilogy. But here you get much more of his life. And that interspersed with sequences from the book. And the themes behind this show are so relevant today and so introspective and philosophical but in a way that there's a certain sort of sadness to the show, I think, that re- that resonated really heavily with me after I left it. And I think that comes from the fact that you're dealing with the, rea- the reality version of Dalton Trumbo, which is where he was put on trial for the words that he wrote. And his, members of his family were hounded and persecuted uh, as punishment for what you know, Dalton Crumbo was writing. Um, He wrote under fictitious names. He won awards under false names. All of that was real, and all of it happened. And they introduced it into the show as you are seeing also scenes from or inspired by the book itself. And the key thing is, I think, to me, Mike, is who is held accountable and who holds them accountable. And sometimes we hold ourselves accountable. And I think much of that ran through the show for me because you have Dalton Trumbo wondering, like, is the fight worth it? The fight for freedom, the fight to tell the truth, the fight to, you know, rally against leaders who you don't believe in. Is that a valuable fight if you keep getting resistance, if you keep getting beat down for it? And in the parallel of that, Johnny is trapped in his own brain and he's holding himself accountable he went to war. He wound up getting that injury. And the common theme there, and you hear it multiple times during the show, Mike, 
how many times did somebody say the phrase to you, how many times do we have to go through this, Johnny? Yeah. Because you realize that the man is trapped and he's replaying over and over again. And I I will say that I got a one-on-one sequence. I got pulled into a room at one point and the actor really got up in my face and challenged me with that concept of why are you dwelling on this? Why are you concentrating on this? And I found that utterly fascinating when you compare it to what really happened to Dalton Trumbo in real life. It it makes for a very hard hitting show. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm going for the feely philosophical, you know, ramifications, what did it make you feel stuff? Help me, Mike, what do we need to say about the show itself? It's, it's incredible. I mean, if you're a fan of immersive theater and interactive theater, like this is, you have to go see this, you know? I mean, you were talking about, I want to go back because you just talked for like three hours about this, but like, (laughs) as I do, um, you know, you mentioned in the Johnny cycle part two, that it was more, it's more flashbacks of Johnny. So Mm -hmm. while you are Johnny still, those were your memories in part two. Right. But this one, because they mix reality with your character that was written about at points, I felt like I was in a never ending story because mm. you have Dalton Trumbo speaking to you, which is Johnny, his character. Right. And it was just, it, it, it kind of messed with me in a way. Oh yeah, like, it does. And in a good way. Yeah. Because he's like, there's times like he's so apologetic for, for having you be like that in his story and it's like his fault and he's taking responsibility, but you as Johnny, because you become Johnny, you know, if you let yourself go into this, like you're Johnny and I was Johnny last night again. And I, there's also, I want to say that there's different tracks that you can go on. True. And the track I was on followed Trumbo's life for the most part, which was fascinating to me because i i don't know much about him but after seeing what i did i want to read up on him and his life and and it could be just because like the stuff he went through and it's just like holy crap man like there's wow (laughs) that's interesting because the track i found myself on last night was more about johnny wrestling with him being trapped for so many years inside his own mind and trying, fighting to communicate. Um, and I, I think coming to the realization of this is all there is for me, mm-hmm. that the rest of my life, I will never speak again. I ne- I will never feel certain things again. And I, I think that's why like, I went to the philosophical stuff so soon is, um, yeah, the track that I was on, I got introduced to some of the Dalton Trumbo reality, but my focus was on the war and the ramifications of war. And I'm not talking just war between countries. I'm also talking about war amongst ourselves in our own country fighting for ideals. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there's a, um, there's a birthday party sequence where that conversation. Yeah. I was, I was in that. Yeah. It's like that conversation is all about 
going to war for what you believe in? And what will you sacrifice? And who will you sacrifice? And it's very funny to me that at the end of that scene, I don't want to give too much away, but somebody makes a commitment which they fail to keep. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, my track was more about Johnny coming to an end, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, but this, just hearing that, it's like, okay, I'm going back. Yeah. Just to see what else there is. And there were times within it where even certain scenes you were in, it felt like there could be one of, there could be different ways to go. You know, it's interesting that you made the comment about, you know, um, Trumbo as the character talking to you. I had a moment in, it was one of the group scenes. We were all in the same room. All of the patrons were in the same room. All of the cast was in the same room. And I was at the very end. We were, we were sort of in a line in a hallway and I was near the end and he sort of motioned me over and he, he literally, <laughs> it's so weird. He, he just spoke to me for a couple of sentences, but he, what he revealed to me was how he hopes to be remembered. And that was devastating because it was this genuine moment of I'm, I'm fighting. Like, this is what I believe in and I'm fighting for it. And I hope people see the bigger picture because at that point in his life, you know, I think every, I, I think probably would, it would be nothing but persecution probably is what that person felt. But, you know, he, he pulled me aside and he, and he just sort of gave me this moment of when all of this is said and done, this is what I hope comes out of it. And you realize that, Oh my God, that might not happen. Dude, just sitting here, a lot of this emotion is coming back. Yeah. I, I, I am feeling it too, man. I mean, I, I mentioned that if you let yourself go in, in, in this show, I mean, granted in any immersive show, it, the, the payback is tenfold. And one thing I feel like I'm not learning and I, this sounds weird, but like, there's no wrong way to do immersive theater. I mean, unless you're trying to break it, but like, but I feel I'm learning to do it right in my own mind because like I, I mean, I let go last night. Like I was no longer Mike, you know, there were times where I was screaming, Yeah, you know, like I saw you scream and like, that wasn't Mike screaming. That was me in that show screaming. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> as your friend, um, I was standing about six feet away from you near the end of this show <laughs> And you let out a scream that was so heartfelt. It was it was deeply moving. And and you weren't the only person in that sequence that was given the instructions to specifically let something go and let something out of themselves. And dude, I don't know. I, I just like I, I in that moment I thought I saw I don't know. I, I saw a different <laughs> side of you, man. Was it good or evil? All right, we'll take that as evil. It was yep. honest. <laughs> but, yeah. But we'll round that up to evil. <laughs> Which is one and the same for me, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Honesty and evil equate each other, okay. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, thank you. I, but 
that just goes to my whole point. And yeah, I mentioned earlier about how it felt like the never ending story. And the more I was speaking to Dalton Trumbo as Johnny, or the more he spoke to me because I can't really speak, um, it kind of wrecked me like towards the end, because at one point, and this isn't going to be, this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, but he asked me, I believe he asked me, does your life matter? And at that point, it was a combination of Mike and Johnny. And honestly, I felt like, no, like in the grand scheme of things, my life doesn't matter. Wow. You matter to me, man. Stop. (laughs) But, but it, and that kind of hit me. And at one point, uh, Dalton Trumbo says goodbye to Johnny. And one of the main rules in immersive theater is don't touch the actors. Right. And they even say that. But I was so caught up in the moment. I had to give him like this huge hug. And it was so odd for me because it was just, it wasn't planned. It was just like, dude, you, you're, you're, you're saying goodbye to me. Like you're killing me. And I had to just, you know, I kind of lost it. So sorry for breaking the rules, guys. I, wow. I just like that. That sounds like an amazing moment. I'm so happy to hear that you had that. That's that's pretty damn awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, we've we've screwed it around and, and talked a little bit about the rules. You know, this this particular show is not an interactive, immersive show. You are not. They tell you don't speak unless spoken to or sometimes they ask you to insert a line of dialogue into a scene which is a technique they've used in other shows, actually more in the past versions of Johnny than this show. I think this is much more of a narrative-driven event where you know, you are watching a play unfold, just in no way is there a proscenium, in no way is there a standard stage. You're moving through these people's lives. So you don't touch them. They do touch you to move you uh, and sometimes direct you to do things. But it's not one of those situations where you're coming up with your own dialogue. It's not that. And yet even though that you're constrained more than some other immersive pieces, that's not a negative. It actually highlights the emotion, I think, because you're forced to just take it all in. But it's, and it's true. And one of the other characters that I think most people won't think of as a character is the location. Oh man. Because that adds so much to the environment and your state of mind. Russell, where does this take place? The Mountain View Mausoleum in Altadena, California. So you're actually moving around an actual mausoleum with the remains of people around you during the scenes. You're surrounded by death. Yeah, at all times. And that actually weighs heavily on on the show. Um, Something that you mentioned earlier also mike you mentioned the moment when you know dalton said goodbye and he asked you about your life that also reoccurs several times during the show or at least it did on my track in the fact that you know at one point we were told the story of the graveyard where they hide the graves of the people who are less worthy which was a flashback to the closet scene in part two. Oh, and that, boy, did I feel that. Yeah. 
when 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 we heard that i just wanted to like look at you and be like oh my god it's part two yeah yeah it's like that was the most devastating sequence in part two for me and um you know it's so all of these themes about the value of human life and the cost of war it's like those are universal huge concepts and yet this show makes you feel it on a one-on-one personal level and it's like you got that moment didn't you oh yeah like that's that I think that's the strength of the show. I think that's the strength of the entire Johnny cycle is something as huge as war is not about numbers. It's not about patriotism. It's not about liberty. It's not about those concepts. It's not about a concept. It's about human toll and the lives that are lost. And one of the characters actually says during the show I lost two lives, my wife and my kid, because I died. That was a devastating moment for me, Mike, because I, it flips it. You think the loss of life is the person who dies. Mm-hmm. But the, the person who dies is it, like everyone around them loses the person who dies, but the person who dies loses everyone. So, And I had never really thought of death in that manner and that that you know like there there (laughs) there are so many moments like that in this show and by the way this show is a solid solid two hours yeah uh maybe even a little longer than that i didn't check my watch when i when i immediately got out but this is a huge epic adventure that you go on Mm -hmm. i gotta say I don't think any ticket that I buy this year will be this valuable or mean this much to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, it really does. Cause like, I I don't know. It's, it's, you know, the length of the show, the ambitiousness of what they're doing. I, I I wanted to open my wallet at the end of this and give them more money. (laughs) Well, we, I mean, we are like, you already have a ticket to go back. Oh yeah. I'm going to get another ticket to go back and possibly even three times. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing you can do that with Johnny for a couple of reasons. There's multiple tracks. Um, if you heard us talk about part two, I went back twice and didn't get a repeated scene other than the main scenes. And right. Russell went back three times and only got one repeated scene. The other reason is the price. The ticket is is $65, which for two hours of constant, constant show is a steal. And it allows you to go back. You know, we always make a joke about, oh, what the average price for immersive theater is a dollar a minute. You know, this is 50 cents a minute. Yeah. You know, if you look at it in those terms, and yeah. if you've only done the Speakeasy Society's Kansas collection, those tickets are pretty inexpensive, uh, like 15 to $20. Uh, so if you've only done those and you see this for 65, you might have a little reservation. Seriously, it's worth it and then some. And it just, this is some of the best work that LA has to has to offer. Oh yeah, hands down, Speakeasy Society has created one of the immersive highlights of the year. Period. There is no way you can deny that. And and I I think you bring up an interesting point about the Kansas collection because that is opening up 
um, a whole new world to people, I think. Uh, on the immersive scale, it's much more interactive than Johnny the Living is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kansas Collection has much more give and take back and forth with the patrons. Um, Johnny does not do that. You know, Johnny, you are very specifically directed um, and you don't give the feedback to the actors quite the same way as you do in the Kansas collection. It's two sides of a company. It's two sides of this group doing this creative work. And for them to create such an ambitious show with, there is no way, Mike, we can convey the moving parts, the logistics of this show. Oh yeah. There is no way we can describe, you have to be inside it and start to realize how many people are being pulled. And I mean, how many, how many patrons and participants are being pulled off in so many different directions. And you realize the timing that everyone converges at the right moment back in the same place, or four people converge in the moment in the, in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I got pulled away with six people and then suddenly two of us got pulled away even farther. I don't know what happened to those other four people. I want to know what happened to those other three people because (laughs) the character who they were left with gave me this amazing emotional moment. And I, (laughs) I got pulled away and got a different amazing emotional moment. So including a scare, by the way, I should, I should. Oh, oh, I, I, Well, yeah, in like the second to last scene of the evening, the actor scared the crap out of me, and it was just all through performance. It was just like it was just like yeah, you know, he was he was talking about you know heroes and what is worth fighting for, and and yeah, it just yeah, kudos to that actor, and I'm not going to reveal in case you end up with that scene, but you know, but yeah, I I had to laugh because I was so engaged, and then suddenly he turned and he gave me a boo moment that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Well, I have a question for you, Russell. Yeah. You have now seen the trilogy and as a whole, as a whole story, after seeing all three shows and what you saw last night, what are your thoughts on the whole entire thing? I feel that Speakeasy Society has managed to create an epic piece of theater that I hope lives on. Somehow, I hope all of these shows return, whether through their company or whether it gets mounted by different companies around the world. You know, they've created a universal message of hope and peace and sadness, you know, encouraging people to fight for what they believe in, but also while never losing the connection to their own humanity and the humanity of others. So in the first Johnny, we were characters in the memories. We were there and we spoke the dialogue. We were given the dialogue to speak that reflected what he remembered, all of the good things, everything from his mom's cooking to the girlfriend who was left behind. In part two, that increased, I think, more to the fact that we experienced the more recent Johnny memories. There was more of the war. There was more of the sadness, more of what was lost. You know, at one point, I danced with his mom, the second show. And you realized the toll of what the soldiers were having to sacrifice 
of their own humanity by what they were being taught and what they were being made to do in the name of our country. And in this third show, all of that is heightened by making it a little bit less interactive and more of a lead experience. So when you're directed to answer a question, I think there is more weight to what is being said. I don't know in the future what can be done with this work, but I truly believe this is an important piece. So my overall view of the trilogy is it's been an epic adventure, a really fun and a really emotional one. And I think what they've managed to do in this third entry is capture a lot of the feeling from the first two and then heightening the intensity of it with the addition of so much of the real story of the the persecution, the witch trial vibe of the McCarthy era. Yeah, my overall impression is that this has been a wonderful journey that that is important. And I think it's very important to the Los Angeles scene in the fact that Rarely have I seen site-specific theater in in Los Angeles use the locations as effectively as the three entries in the Johnny Trilogy have. And like you've experienced two of them, Mike, the location on both of these. Oh, yeah. You, You said it earlier, and I'm glad that you said it. I'm glad you brought up that the location becomes a character unto itself, you know, and, and the adventure of, you know, we advanced as a military unit through church pews. We went to a party where politics were being discussed and argued and lives were changed because of it. You know, I entered a flashback where a soldier gave me permission to forgive myself for walking away as he died. That's some pretty damn heavy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So the fact that those locations lend itself to that emotion so well, you know, and, and they're not complete sets. They're, 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 they adapt the location to fit what's going on. You know, last night I, did you end up ever in, I don't know, the conference room? Yes. Okay. What a perfect room. Mm -hmm. So I wound up in that room twice and both times I was just like, this is the perfect room for this sequence. One was a conversation about responsibility, and the other was a conversation about uh, moving on, I think would be the way to put it. Oh, interesting. I think what happened to me might have been different then. Did anyone play cards? No. There's a sequence from the first show where you play cards with Jesus Christ, and two of the soldiers that I played cards with in that game were there last night. Oh, wow. So, you know, and in the middle of that conversation, someone challenged everyone in the room to reveal who's in power, who's the one controlling the game. Uh, So, yeah, there's... I literally... I am a discombobulated mess emotionally and mentally right now talking about this show. And I, I think that's the highest compliment that I can give Speakeasy Society is... You know, it's it's been what? It's been 12 hours, and I'm still a mess. <laughs> <laughs> there is now such a thing as immersive theater hangover. 
I love that term. I and I think I'm experiencing it right now. Did you get interrogated, by the way? No. Interesting. David did though. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. They pulled me out and of one of the scenes, and I got interrogated by the same person who you. Uh, there was a a large group scene. You saw him in action trying to put the screws to numerous people. So I got interrogated by that guy earlier in the night. Nice. So yeah, it was very interesting. He he made me feel inconsequential. He angered me that 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 somehow I let him make me feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like so, and again, isn't that cool? <laughs> 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 Going back to the trilogy, have yeah. you did you see because and I think I already know the answer um because I have my own opinion on it, but from going from chapter 1 to chapter 3, did you see a progression as far as the show goes, as far as scale, as far as acting, as far as more you, you know what I mean, like from heat going from there to here where they are now? Uh, yeah, and actually, um, we interviewed you know, Julianne, Matthew, Genevieve, and Chris, you know, for an earlier interview on the podcast. And during that interview, they talked about how this is a passion project. That's what I saw grow. It's like I think it's evident in the way the shows matured and grew. Yes, the locations got bigger, which I think allowed them a bigger playground. Um, but I think they challenged themselves to be more ambitious, be more complex because the piece warrants that. Right. You know, this, this piece earns this sort of attention because it's such a disturbing, moving piece. And, you know, the, the, the first location, uh, I think it was smaller in scale, but it fit the show perfectly. You know, it had it had one large, really open room, and the interesting thing about that very first chapter was because there were multiple scenes going on in like the four corners of this big room, you overheard dialogue, and and you sort of realized, you know, one of the, one of the really cool things that that I've I've tried to describe to other people in the first show, from one corner of the room to the other, somebody made a phone call. So you could hear both sides of the phone call, but they were two separate scenes. So there's a lot of intricacies, which I think they've played with. And I think, you know, the, this location is so large that it gives them a massive playground and they play, they play full out, you know, and I, you know, I just think the, the ambitious and the, and the ambition and the growth and scale, scope, size, um, emotional intensity. Um, I think they've been raising the bar for themselves. Right. Yeah. That's exactly my thought because even just seeing Johnny, the shell to Johnny, the living, I mean, it's so much more. It just felt like so much more. (laughs) Mike and I are looking at each other and just contentedly smiling. That sounds creepy, man. No, (laughs) Anyways, back to the back to Johnny the Living. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is um, another character that we hadn't talked about yet, and that's the score. You know, just as important as the mausoleum is as a backdrop to this, the score, which at times 
I didn't even realize there was one happening because mm. you're so tuned into the moment. It's not until that moment breaks, you hear like either something get louder or something, you know, a background noise. It's like, oh my God, there's a soundtrack to this whole thing. Right. And it adds to everything. It adds to the emotion. It adds to the scenes. And like, I mean, there are certain times when the music hits you just as hard as the performances. Yeah. Actually in that opening sequence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, agreed. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than like, if you have the opportunity to see this show, grab it. Right. Definitely. You know, congratulations. I, I, I think we also need to make a nod to the entire cast and crew of this show. The cast is incredibly well cast and are obviously throwing themselves into this show. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say uh, emotionally and physically, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely some physical challenges in this show for the cast that, that, you know, they certainly rise to the occasion. This is going to stick with me a long time. Yeah. I'm excited to go back again and see what I missed. Yeah. And to get theater drunk. <laughs> Immersive theater hangover one more time. Um, so for more information on Johnny and the Speakeasy Society, Check them out on the web at speakeasysociety.com. On Facebook, the Speakeasy Soch, which is S-O-C. On Instagram, the Speakeasy Soch. And also on Twitter, the Speakeasy Soch. And just a quick bit of news. uh, The Nest from Scout Expedition Company, they have extended again uh, into June. Mm -hmm. And tickets are going fast. So definitely check that out. This is something that both Russell and I love and just about every other person we've spoken to loves as well. It's such a new way of storytelling and it's just, it's just really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. So find tickets for that at the nest show.com. So that's everything. I am drained. Just, just talking about Johnny. Yeah. And I, I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> really, I do. I mean that as a compliment. So that wraps this one up. Um, we're going to do a part two and talk about the Lust experience. Otherwise, this podcast would be like three to four hours long. It's massive. <laughs> and and seriously, everything we've talked about, people, go go to the Fringe Festival website. Go, like, this is such a rich time, Mike. Jeez, there's so much stuff going yeah. on. So, like, so everybody, just go out and play. And, and go out, have a good time. And rob banks so you can afford it. So, wait. Just don't deal drugs. Send those emails to Mike at myhauntlife.com. <laughs> or Russell at myhauntlife.com with two S's or and two L's. You can find this on the web at myhauntlife.com and all sorts of social media at myhauntlife, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can call or text us on the hotline, 515-HAUNTS-LA. And yeah. Yeah. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. You want to try that again? Yes, I do. (laughs) Because I didn't do it well the first time.